0: Kentucky takes down Western Kentucky by a score of 95 to 70. We break down what happened in that matchup, as well as take a look at Bracketology and the AP poll on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky. I'm your host Lance Dahl, also host of On The Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also writer for USA Today for various SEC related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. All right, so Western Kentucky was the uh, was the replacement game for uh, for Kentucky this past Wednesday. Uh, Western Kentucky, I actually picked the Hilltoppers to lose this game by six points. I know the line was sitting somewhere around 12. I picked Kentucky. Kentucky to win this game, and I did not expect Kentucky to cover. I didn't think that after such a momentum-building win against North Carolina that they'd be able to keep the me- momentum and uh, how foolish I was 95 to 70 was the final score uh, in that matchup really impressed with the way that Kentucky was able to dominate it felt like from uh, from the very beginning to the very end and I believe there was a stretch there in the second half where uh, Kentucky kind of started to pull uh, closer towards or Western Kentucky kind of started to pull closer towards the Wildcats I believe it was 33 to 37 at one point early on in the second half but, uh, but the Wildcats were able to pull it out so we're going to break down what happened in the the first and second half is going to break down what I saw in this game and I want to quote here uh, something from an article written by Kentucky Sports Radio and this kind of sums up how the game began quote the first few possessions of the game weren't the prettiest for Kentucky Keon Brooks got blocked at the free throw line on the very first possession of the game and a couple more Jamarian Sharp blocks and Kentucky turnovers against the zone plagued the beginning of the matchup. Then enter Jacob Toppin. Kentucky went on a 13-2 run over the first six minutes of play uh, for Toppin as he dissected the zone from the inside out. So Kentucky entered this game and they, sp- they play a 2-3 uh, zone or at least a variation or style of it and, uh, and a lot of it revolves around the fact that they have a 7-foot-5 center in Jamarian Sharp that they're able, c- they're able to kind of just utilize their length to prevent teams from from getting shots at the rim. And what has this Kentucky team done really, really well? Well, they've utilized Oscar Shebway very well at the rim. We'll we'll talk about what he did in just a little bit. But the game kind of started out with Kentucky trying to do that, right? They tried to attack the zone, they tried to get into a rhythm, and they weren't able to do that because Western Kentucky's length and uh, a couple of just I wouldn't necessarily say bad shots by Kentucky, it was just shots that Kentucky was used to taking, right? And, uh, And the Wildcats weren't able to execute and they were blocked. And then And Jacob Toppin comes in, and they did uh, this—Kentucky did this a few times throughout the game where Toppin would receive a bounce pass at the free-throw line, and he put his shoulders toward the basket, and he would draw the defense in, and he could do a lot of different things off of that. Initially, what he was doing was trying to get the ball inside to Oscar Shebae. That worked a couple of times. And then Toppin started to expand where he was passing the ball, and it usually resulted in a kick out to the right for a three— uh, to Kellen Grady. And we'll talk about what he did later on in this game. But early on, it was figuring out the 2 3 zone for the Wildcats. And they eventually did so. Uh, they eventually did so against um, against that, re- that really lengthy. Uh, Western Kentucky team and again want to point out that's a seven foot five center uh, in the middle of that two three zone so Jacob Toppin uh, I think had a really really solid game I believe he had 12 points on the night for the uh, for the Wildcats again really really solid stuff from Jacob Toppin who has not necessarily been like a crazy major factor right when you talk about all these different forwards that Kentucky has and all this different length and different stuff like that he's not been one of the guys that's at the forefront it's usually Keon Brooks or somebody of that nature but props to him props to him for being kind of the cog in the middle of that uh, middle of this team that was able to kind of figure things out early all right the uh, the really surprising uh, the really surprising numbers from Oscar Shibwe. I want to talk about that really quick so Oscar Shebway's been known this season as a little bit of a rebounder uh, in case you haven't been watching a lot of Kentucky basketball he's been averaging over 10 rebounds uh, I believe he's at least gotten 10 rebounds well I might not be correct on that. He may, I believe he's gotten 10 rebounds on in every single game that he's played so far this season. And he came into last night, and personally, I didn't expect uh, Oscar Shibway to be able to do a whole lot if Jamarian Sharp was able to stay on the floor and he was able to stay out of foul trouble, which if you listened to our episode last week on Wednesday, we noted that the Hilltoppers are really, really good at protecting the rim without fouling. And I thought, well, Jamarian Sharp's going to be in there a long time. Oscar Shibway's probably not, probably not going to be able to do a lot against that length. How about 28 rebounds for Oscar Shibway 28 rebounds for Oscar Sheaway. Absolutely insane. Uh, statistics from Oscar Shibway. He dedicated the 28 rebound game to the victims of the Western Kentucky tornado said, quote, I came out today. My first thing today was to rebound for Western Kentucky. What happened with their tornado over there? I told them I'm going to fight for them. Those people they are in our prayers, I pray for them tonight. I came out with 28. That's what God had for me tonight. That's what Oscar Shibway had to say about his 28 rebound game against the Hilltoppers. Again, thoughts and prayers to everybody in Western Kentucky that is suffering. Uh, the, uh, the athletics program uh, at Western Kentucky and at Kentucky and Iowa uh, and all these different universities and people have reached out and there's been so much support uh, for, for these groups uh, of people that have uh, been wrecked by these tornadoes and just thoughts and prayers to those people and I'm really, really uh, pleased to see uh, all these different people coming together to support uh, what was such a devastating loss uh, for, the, uh, for the state of Kentucky anyway. Really impressive stuff all around from Sheboy from uh, from everybody that has come together. I just wanted to to uh, to cite that that he he, he got those twenty eight rebounds for the uh, for the people uh, of Western Kentucky. Was, okay, so collapsing the defense, Jacob Toppin having a really good game, Oscar Sheebway having a great game. I am starting to believe that this uh, Kentucky's team. The, the, their ability to guard the three-point line was not just a fluke last week against North Carolina. How about three of 20 from, from downtown for Western Kentucky? Three of 20. This is not a team, according to the, uh, the, the breakdown that we had last week. This is not a team that likes to shoot a lot of threes, at least not regularly. And they elected to shoot 20 against the Wildcats, and they came away with three of them. They had two in the second half, they had one in the first half. Uh, really impressive stuff there defensively from Kentucky. Did not expect... The, the defensive effort that I saw uh, against, the, against the Hilltoppers, and a lot of it has to do with something that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast, the inability to apply pressure uh, on the def- defensive end or the, the just, I guess, the lack of intensity on the defensive end, especially early on, but it was something that was really important in the North Carolina game, and it was really important in this game that Kentucky applied pressure, and they were able to to make these Kentucky guards and North Carolina guards uncomfortable, and they actually did so for what felt like an entire 40 minutes. I was really pleased to see that. And if you uh, if you do that uh against a team that really likes to uh get the ball inside to their 7 foot 5 center, if you make those guards uncomfortable, you're probably going to hold them to something like I don't know, 60 points like they did that uh, like they did on Wednesday night. So again, it was really impressive stuff what I saw from this Kentucky team. We're going to talk about more of what I saw from this uh from this uh game that Kentucky had. In just a second, but before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. They've got so many different flavors to choose from as well. You'll have a hard time choosing. They've got uh, raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, my personal favorite, Uh, or uh, peanut butter brownie. And They've got so many different more outside of that. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Go to Built.com and use promo code Locked15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked on Kentucky, really appreciate you guys making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. Continuing to talk about Kentucky's big win over the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers final score, 95-70, 25-point win for the Wildcats. Again, I want to reiterate what I said a minute ago, which was I didn't think that Kentucky was going to be able to cover in this game. I I thought it was a bad matchup uh, and how stupid I ended up looking. And a lot of it had to do with Kellen Grady, somebody that I have said over and over and over, uh, you know, this kid could probably use a few more shots. He could probably get involved in this offense a little bit better. And sure enough, uh, to the tune of about 23 points and six three-pointers, Kellen Grady was able to get himself involved in the offense. He was 7 of 10 from the field. He, again, was 6 of 9 from 3, 23 points for the transfer from Davidson. And this has been something I've been saying for a long time. I'm sure you've been saying it as well. Why is this kid not getting the ball more? He shoots a ridiculous percentage from 3. He's an offensive threat from anywhere on the court. And also, he's a pretty de- decent uh, defender. He's got great size. He's got re- great length for a shooting guard. Why is he not getting the ball more? Why is he not more of a focal point of this team? Well, first of all, you've got Sevier Wheeler, and you've got Oscar Chibwey and Ty Tai Washington. There are a lot of mouths to feed on this uh, Kentucky basketball team, and Grady has felt like he's taken a, a little bit of a uh, backseat, it feels like, every now and then uh, so far this season. But it's great to see Grady really start to come into his own as SEC play starts, because if you can't go to that first score, if you can't go to that second score because he's in foul trouble, if you can't go to that third score because he's having issues creating an isolation, looking at you, Ty Ty Washington, you have to be able to rely on somebody that either comes off your bench as a sixth man or is going to be able to provide that spark for you from the three-point line, and you're looking at a guy like Kellen Grady being that guy whenever SEC play, you're in the thick of it, right? You're playing against a team like Ole Miss. Defensively, it's a it's a slug fest. You, you, uh, you, like I mentioned earlier, you know, t- uh, Oscar Sheebway's not playing well. Severe Wheeler's in foul trouble. He, who has been streaky at times, shooting the basketball and scoring, he's not playing well. Ty Ty Washington is really, really having a tough time against, I don't know, I, I don't think KJ Buffin's at, at Ole Miss anymore, but somebody like that, right, who is a defensive minded guard, he's really struggling against that. You've got to be able to have your Kellen Grady's on roster that are capable of taking shots and capable of making threes. And I'm really pleased with what I saw from Kellen Grady on Wednesday afternoon, being that guy, being that spark plug, because it felt like it opened up the offense. And good on Ka- Coach Cal and good on this team for acknowledging and recognizing how to exploit a 2-3 zone with a seven-foot-five center in the middle of it, which is you, you get inside, right? You start working the defense in, you kick it out for threes, and if you knock down those shots, it, it it makes the two three zone very, very difficult. Or it makes those kids playing the two three zone makes it very, very difficult for them to actually guard because you're they're being manipulated. They're being pulled in, they're being pulled out. You can't you can't sustain that if you, if teams are, are, are shooting really, really well from three. And speaking of shooting well from three. Only three other threes went down. Well, a lot of threes here. Only three other threes went down for the Kentucky Wildcats on Wednesday. They were 9 of 20 from the field. They were 45% on the night. Uh, Davion Mintz had one, and Ty Ty Washington had two others. Let's talk about Ty Ty Washington here for a second, because this is also a kid that I've been saying needs to get involved in the offense a little bit more. He does not work well off the dribble. Statistically, we talked about that on Friday. He works well whenever he is doing one of two things. He is trying to create an isolation getting to the rim or he's trying to, uh, or he's in transition shooting a three standing still. Whenever I say creating off the dribble, I mean getting him the ball and trying to knock down a two point jumper, right? I'm talking whenever, whenever I say in isolation, I'm talking like he's one-on-one getting to the rim. He plays very well in that role, but whenever it's just him and one other guy on the dribble, Like from the uh, uh, when and he's trying to shoot from two, trying to shoot from three. Statistically, he does not work well. Now, I want to give the ball to Ty Ty any way that I possibly can because the kid's scoring twenty a night, or not twenty a night. He's scoring like thirteen to fifteen a night, and then he has games like this. I want to see Kellen Grady and Ty Ty Washington continue to get the ball more. By the way, Oscar Shibway had 14 points to go with his 28 rebounds. Severe Wheeler, uh, who, uh, who I believe to led the team in scoring against North Carolina, had a, a, a season high uh, in points, might have been a career high, uh, only had six points and eight assists uh, against the Hilltoppers uh, just this past Wednesday. And uh, talking about Severe Wheeler here real quick, so he obviously he didn't score, But a note I had from this game is something that is a staple of this year's team outside of offensive rebounding is running the floor, and Xavier Wheeler is one of the best in the nation at doing so, and... I've seen a few breakdowns of this game already. I've seen a few breakdowns of the Kentucky Wildcats team. And this is something actually that I've spoken about on this podcast is Wheeler is most dangerous in transition whenever he's not trying to do too much. He's not trying to apply too much pressure. And what I mean by that is he's not trying to force the ball up the court, right? So you'll see, you'll see uh, teams in college, you'll see teams in the NBA do this. And I'll give you a perfect example. As somebody that lives in Auburn and has grown up watching Auburn basketball, I'll give you an example. Jared Harper, a guard that Auburn had just a couple of years ago, something that he had a tendency to do even into his junior year was push the ball up the court when it was just an ill-advised pass. Now, there were some passes that he had that were nice. They were flashy. They were able to uh, – he was able to get the ball uh, for layups and dunks and lobs and all these different crazy things. But there would be that the, those two or three passes a game where it ended up, ended up being a turnover or just a dumb pass where it's like you're forcing the ball into the corner for a shot. You're forcing the ball into the paint for a shot, and it's not a good idea. The best thing to do in this scenario is to take take the ball up yourself, get into the paint yourself, and then distribute. And that's where Severe Wheeler, I feel like, becomes most dangerous because you get into the paint as a point guard. You are there right there, right by the rim as a legitimate scoring threat. And then also, you've got these other two guys potentially that are coming with you that are filling their lanes in the corners that you can dish the ball out to. That can shoot instead of you or instead of trying to force the ball up the court with that pass being guarded or with that player being guarded. So it's really, really smooth the way Severe Wheeler handles himself in transition is getting the ball inside, either taking it to the hoop himself or distributing and being patient. And it's really, really interesting to watch the process, right, because the whole point of the fast break is to get downhill and score immediately. Well Severe Wheeler, it's he, he, he gets down court down the court, don't get me wrong, he gets there quickly, but he also distributes and it's just fascinating to watch the way this kid uh the way this kid plays. So really excited about everything that I saw from this team uh on Wednesday night they're gonna play Missouri next we open up SEC play I feel like I've been talking about the beginning of SEC play forever now and I'm very thankful uh that we're able to kind of dive into things here on Wednesday we're gonna have a preview show of that of that matchup tomorrow and in case you're wondering actually yes no no we're not we're not I'm gonna let you know I'm gonna let you know eventually I'm just trying to get things scheduled out we're coming back from Christmas a lot of different crazy things are are happening right now but hey the holidays—they were pretty sweet. I also really quickly, before we move on, if you see anything on my sweatshirt, if you see anything in my mouth in my hair, I just finished uh, the the greatest gingerbread house that you will ever see in your entire life. My family and I have a competition uh, every single year. This is on YouTube, in case uh, in case you audio listeners are wondering. If you see anything, I apologize. It's probably powdered sugar from uh, from the awesome gingerbread house I just made anyway. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march into co- into the uh, college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head, o- head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. All right. So wrapping up the Monday edition of uh, Locked On Kentucky again. Really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen. If you would do so, please subscribe to the podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you get notified whenever the next episode of Locked On Kentucky comes out. All right, so looking at bracketology and looking at the AP poll, and this is something that, again, Kentucky Sports Radio, absolutely love the folks over there. They were pointing out uh, just a couple of days ago. So according to uh, Joe Lenardi, who is ESPN's bracketologist, he currently has Kentucky projected to play a team they've already played this season. Which was the uh, the Ohio Bobcats? Kentucky is slated to be a four seed right now. They moved up after a really solid week against uh, North Carolina and Kentucky, or in Western Kentucky, excuse me. They are slated to play Ohio, who would be a 13 seed in the Midwest region. Uh, that game would be played in Buffalo, and the Midwest region would c- conclude in uh, Chicago. The one seed in that uh, region, Purdue. The two seed. Kansas, the three seed is uh, Villanova. Now, I do want to point out here before we just kind of move on, I don't want to glaze over this because I do think bracketology is interesting and important to follow, uh, but I do want to point out, none of this is set in stone. Nothing is determined yet. Kentucky could lose every single game they play from here on out, and then that would be that would be an issue because I don't think Kentucky's getting into the tournament if they do that. Uh, but But I do think it's interesting to kind of see where the projections are now because being realistic with yourself, you you start to acknowledge, okay, Kentucky's probably going to win this game. They're probably going to lose this game. They're probably going to finish somewhere around here. They're probably going to get what twenty-ish wins, twenty-four-ish wins. I don't know. I'm just I'm just making things up, uh, and you kind of start to get an idea of where these teams are going to land. And so, if Kentucky can end up being a four seed, I mean, you look at that region that they're playing in the in, in the what uh, Midwest region specifically playing in Buffalo. Think about a scenario, right, th- like this, right. I think this is a pretty solid draw. You get to play Ohio. You've already played them before. You've already beaten them. And then you would get to play either number f- uh, five seed Providence or a 12 seed UCF. And honestly, I like my chances against either of those squads. I've seen UCF in person this season. Johnny Dawkins is a very solid coach. That would be a fun matchup. But Kentucky, I think, just has too much athleticism. And I know UCF is scrappy, but I think Kentucky, the way they play in transition, I think they would just break down uh, the Knights in that game. And then Providence is a is a uh, post-minded team. We've already seen what Kentucky can do against a team that really likes to to play 2-3 zones, stop you from getting to the rim, and then getting to the rim all their own, I think that would be a matchup where, again, Kentucky's athleticism wears you out. And Purdue's probably coming out that, uh, out of that division uh, atop a of Kentucky and Indianapolis. You play a team like Purdue, I mean, if you get a shot, at least in the, uh, in the Sweet 16, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, so it could potentially be an interesting draw if Kentucky does manage to get past uh, Purdue. But again, that's all projections. I don't think any of this is gonna go- going to happen. There's a very, very good chance Kentucky and Ohio are not going to match up. Just looking at some possibilities here. Just looking at some possibilities. All right, quickly, projections for the AP poll. So Kentucky currently sitting at number 20. They moved up one spot last weekend. I would like to see them move up a couple more spots. The team above them in Tennessee just actually beat number six Arizona just a couple of days ago. And Xavier, right above Tennessee, just uh, just actually, I don't, I don't believe they played a game. Well, they have played a game, excuse me. They played a game a week ago uh, against Villanova, and they lost by a lot. Uh, so, I believe that Kentucky should be moving all up along with Tennessee. LSU at number 17, Texas at number 16 in the Associated Press top 25. So, I think Kentucky's going to move up a couple of spots, but honestly. Should not be should not be too too many different spots uh, that the Wildcats move up. So that's a look at the AP poll. That's a look at the uh, Midwest region potentially that Kentucky could be playing in. Uh, and that's gonna do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Ooh wrong hotkey see we're still trying to work out the technical difficulties here uh this youtube thing is very very new to me you can follow the show on twitter at LockedOnUK. you can follow me on twitter at doll pound if you have any questions comments concerns shoot me a dm tag me i'd love to hear from you i will see you all tomorrow have a good day everybody and god bless